This episode is sponsored by Margaret McCarty Photography. Margaret is a Catholic wedding and lifestyle photographer based in Tennessee and beyond. You can find her on Instagram at Margaret McCarty Photo or online at www.margaretmccartyphotography.com. Be sure to check out her link in our show notes. You're listening to the Catholic Woman Podcast. If you're a Catholic woman desiring to live by God's standards and not society's expectations, then this podcast is for you. Each week, we bring you actionable tools to live out your vocation confidently while empowering you to know the truths and teachings of the Catholic faith. Whether you need advice, encouragement, or connection, you are in the right place. So if you're ready to dive in and become the woman God created you to be, then get ready because here is your host, Marie Hansen. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Woman Podcast. I am so excited that you are here today because we are going to be talking all about classic living and traditional values with Abby Roth. Abby Roth is the creator of Classically Abby, a YouTube channel and lifestyle brand that teaches about classic living and traditional values. Abby is a classically trained opera singer with a master's degree and professional study certificate from the Manhattan School of Music. Abby transitioned to YouTube from opera when she realized the importance of sharing how to embrace femininity in today's modern world. With over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, 45,000 followers on Instagram, and 68,000 followers on Twitter, Abby is spreading her message to young women everywhere. Wow. Thank you so much for being with us today, Abby. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh my goodness. I am so excited. So tell us about yourself and kind of your story, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I started off as an opera singer. I mean, I grew up religious. Uh, I grew up as an Orthodox Jew. Um, And when I moved to New York for to pursue opera singing, I kind of left behind those traditional values. I was surrounded by a lot of leftist thought and leftist theory. And everyone that I was friends with would have thought that any ideas I held growing up were old fashioned and outdated. And when you are the only person with those thought processes around you, then it's very easy to want to fit in. And uh, I always talk about kind of the dangers of loneliness and how quickly loneliness can lead you down a path that you don't necessarily want to be on. Um, and so in that in that situation, I really just allowed myself to get pulled along into these uh, directions that I, looking back on, I'm like, oh, that was not good for me. It wasn't until I, uh, I met my husband And he and I kind of decided together that, you know, we wanted to have a traditional life together. Uh, I realized that opera singing just wasn't conducive to the life that I wanted. I wanted to be around my husband. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to be present for my children. And in opera singing, you're traveling all the time. I mean, marriages fall apart constantly. People don't have more than one or two kids. And I just thought to myself, you know, it's just not going to work. This this isn't going to work out. So with that in mind, I thought to myself, okay, what do I what do I want to do? What would allow me the flexibility to do something I care about and be at home with my kids? And the idea of YouTube and being able to talk about these traditional values and classic classic living that I am such a huge proponent of and that I learned 
were so important through my own mistakes uh, became kind of my goal. And that's kind of how I ended up here. Yeah, I love that. Wow. And, you know, so many of our listeners can probably relate to you and the fact that they want, you know, to be home with a family, they want to like get married, but the world is pulling us into these careers. I know myself, I wanted to go into musical performance. I ended up getting a degree in teaching so that I could do just that, stay home with family when I needed to. But like, I just, you're just so relatable in that aspect. And I know so many women are feeling that pull into careers, but at the same time, um, wanting that more traditional family oriented life. So I'm so excited that we get to chat with you about this today. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be good. So your whole premise really is traditionalism. So can you talk about why traditional values and traditional living are so important in the modern world? Yeah. So, you know, my story is kind of a testament to why I think it's so important. Um, I allowed myself, as I mentioned, to fall off the track of being traditional in an effort to fit in with these empowerment ideas that I'd been fed by like feminist ideology. Um, And when I talk about feminism, generally I'm talking about modern feminism. I think that there's this very big misunderstanding that we you know, as traditional women, we don't believe in equal rights. And like, that's right. to me very silly. Um, yeah. <laughs> clearly, that's not the case. But feminism today is not at all what feminism was 100 years ago. Uh, and today, it means a whole host of other things that are not actually pro-women at all. Um, and so we're getting all of this um, information about how we will find happiness that are not conducive to women's happiness. Like they actually are, are detrimental to women's happiness. So I think traditional values, as I you know, got married and my marriage progressed, I started to realize, oh my gosh, you know, for me, the, the most obvious sign that I was in a good place was that I used to suffer with situational anxiety. And when I got married, about 85% of that dissipated. I found that I just like wasn't suffering with this existential crisis of what am I supposed to be as a woman in today's day and age anymore because I'd found my path and traditional values were what allowed me to do that. Um, So in today's day and age, I think it's so important to embrace traditional values, not only for our own individual meaning and fulfillment, which is kind of the most obvious part of it, but they make society stronger and better and last. And as women, we have such a huge role in determining the values of the people around us um, that allow civilizations to thrive. So if you want to view it from an even like greater perspective, you can view it that way. But if you want to view it from a more individual perspective, it does bring fulfillment and meaning in a way that nothing else does. Yeah. You touched on something um, really good about how modern feminism really is, you know, anti-woman, truly. Um, and a lot of people don't really see that. So can you just talk really briefly about like, what what about modern feminism is really not pro-women and hurts women more than helps them? Yeah. So femi- modern feminism directs women to go against everything that uh, will give us, like I like I always say, and I repeat myself constantly, but that will give us meaning and fulfillment and purpose. Uh, the things that make women feel purposeful is having a family, having children, providing a safe home for, for the people around us. And that's obviously not all that we are meant to do, but it is the 
really like basic stuff. And saying right. that our worth is not found in those places is actually explicitly not found in those places. It's found outside of the home. It it demeans everything that we are here for. And I mean, that's yeah. one, that's like the big overarching idea. But I mean, even just talking about the sexual revolution, that to me is like the biggest and almost obvious uh, fact of this. Um, women are not built and men are not, men should not do it, but women are not built to have sex just indiscriminately with whoever and, you know, find I don't know, joy <laughs> in yeah. that. I mean, women are meant to find a husband who can support them and support the family that will inevitably come from that relationship. Uh, it does not make women happier. There's a book that I just recently read with my book club called Cheap Sex, which I highly recommend. And it talks directly about this topic, just about how women are really the ones who suffer in a society that treats sex as cheap because women are the ones who are constantly having to give up what, what they need, which is security from a man when they enter into a physical relationship that could lead to pregnancy. So it's, it's a very fascinating book and, and feminism is absolutely the, uh, the kind of the leader in this problem. Yes, absolutely. Well, I have not read that book, but I will link that in the show notes for anybody listening who would like to read that because that sounds amazing. And yeah, I mean, there's just so much that stems out of the sexual revolution, which could be a whole nother episode. So we'll save that for another time. But it is it's just a good brief overview for people who have never heard of that before. Um, Okay, so for somebody who maybe has never been traditional, where would you suggest they start? So I was thinking about this, and I think that it starts off by asking yourself, what does the modern female narrative actually do for me? Like, does it actually make me feel more empowered? Or does it make me feel less in control? I think a lot of women are lied to in a sense that like, oh, this empowerment narrative is going to make me feel so much more in control because I get to do whatever I want. Well, whatever you want isn't always what's good for you. And often you'll like do something thinking, oh, this this is just exactly what I want in this moment. And then the next day you really regret it because you weren't in control of the entire kind of big picture. What What is this going to do for me now? But what is it going to do for me tomorrow? And what is it going to do for me in five years? Um, mm. So finding a like starting, I think often this starts with a respect for dating and relationships, especially for young women single yeah. women. I mean, if you can start to ask yourself these questions uh, early on, then you'll avoid a lot of heartbreak and a lot of involvement in situations that last far too long and make you feel less worthy. And you are worthy and you are worthy of respect. You are worthy of your own respect. You're worthy of a man's respect. And when you value yourself enough to recognize, you know, I don't have to give up anything for the man that I, I'm interested in then you're going to find that you feel better about yourself just right off the bat. And that can start with dressing in a way that respects your body more. It can start off with not engaging in physicality, um, you know, in a sense that you're too, that you're not comfortable with. Uh, And I think that's kind of the best place to start is just viewing, viewing, asking yourself the big questions about, whether or not the narratives you've been taught to believe in are actually helping you. And then once you've figured out that they're not, 
uh, rec- taking those steps to actually do things that are better for you and find respect for yourself. That's so good. That's so good. Okay, so kind of along those lines, you have a video called Seven Tips to Grow from a Girl to a Classic Woman. So can you kind of share some of those practical tips and things we can do to grow into a classical woman? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I went back to look at this video because I recorded it about a year ago and I was like, oh yeah, those are some good points. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. I'm excited to hear them. (laughs) (laughs) Like I hadn't watched it in a while. Um, Yeah. So there's kind of some more quote unquote superficial things that you can do to start. And then there are things that are more... um, just more interior and help you grow it from like an internal perspective. So the first one, I think that's kind of almost in a sense easiest because it, it is a reflection an outer reflection of your inner growth is developing your sense of style. Uh, people yes. will often think that developing your sense of style is like, Oh, why would you, I mean, that's just superficial nonsense. Who cares about that? But actually at the end of the day, when you know who you are and you can like define your personality then you can show that in a reflection of your clothing and in your style. Uh, There's a difference between style and fashion, right? Fashion is following Mm, the trends. It's just wearing what everyone else is wearing. But uh, style is showing who you are through your clothes. And so for me, a big part of that, like for me growing from a girl to a classic woman, was a love of modesty, like loving it and realizing how much it gave me. I think people feel like modesty takes away from them, but actually it really gives you so much. It gives you so much respect for yourself and respect for what your body can do to other people. Yes. (laughs) Um, And what what it can elicit. Absolutely. And what it can elicit from other people. But it also, um, it just, it can get you what you want when you dress a certain way. So I think that a lot of women think that, oh, they'll get a man's attention if they wear certain clothing. And you might get attention, but it's not the attention I'm guessing that you want. So that is very uh, true. (laughs) So often I like to say that, uh, I mean, a big part of what I talk about is modesty on my channel, but figuring out what your sense of style is, is is actually an extension of figuring out who you are. So that's one tip. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's a good one. That's a great, that's a good starting one too. Yeah. And I think it it kind of forces you to sit down and be like, okay, well, why do I like the clothes that I like? Do I like them because Mm -hmm. they're popular or do I like them because they reflect me or do, you know, figuring out actually those decisions? Yes, absolutely. Um, Another really important one that's, again, an easier step, an easier tip. I'll get into like a more complicated one. (laughs) Okay. Like (laughs) number three, but like number two, I would say is getting off social media as much as you can. Um, Mm. social media is just a tool for you to focus on others more than yourself. And the fact of the matter is that not that you should, should focus on yourself. Let me clarify. (laughs) (laughs) My, my point is that when you're growing, when you're trying to change and grow, growing is about comparing yourself to who you were yesterday, not Mm -hmm. to anyone else's journey. Um, and when you are constantly in a, in a grass is always greener on the other side sort of situation, when you're constantly viewing other people's photos, when you're only seeing the highlight reel, it can really make you feel bad about yourself, which is not conducive to you actually growing. Growing comes from you reflecting on what you want to change about you, not, 
oh, I wish I had what this other person has and I don't. That's just not, it's not a healthy perspective, you know? It's so true. Yeah. And it's so easy to fall into that comparison trap on social media, um, which is why I think things like, you know, YouTube channels or podcasts or blogs, um, they need to kind of make a comeback because social media is just (laughs) becoming even more of a trap, you know, of that comparison. So I could not agree with that more. Yeah. And I think that it's probably as difficult in a sense for you as it is for me and that a lot of our, what we do, a lot of our work is on social media and trying to be like, and trying to delineate between, okay, I need to be on social media for work and Mm -hmm. I don't need to be on to scroll and just see what other people are up to. Yes, absolutely. Uh, But I think that's just like an easy thing. You it's it's not easy, but it's something that you can you can make a, a concerted effort to do that doesn't take a lot of self-reflection is getting off of social media. Yes. Um, yep. So another one that I can talk about is I'm trying to decide. I have a couple that I, that I think are really important. <laughs> um, but you know, we'll, we'll talk about this one, which is trying to embrace being calm and collected and accepting what you can't control. Uh, I think that that mm. is a huge step in maturity that allows you to go from girlhood to classic womanhood. And yeah. the fact of the matter is you only have control over your actions and over your reactions. When you mm. try to control things that aren't in your control, it makes you feel anxious and worried. And it also shows that you don't have a trust in God. You're yes. you're trying to control things that really are in God's hands. So when you are able to say, okay, I'm not in control of the situation. I'm only in control of my reaction to the situation. That's like a huge step in not only your faith journey, but also your maturity journey. Um, Mm. One of the big things about that is when you recognize that you're not in control of situations most of the time, you can deal with stress in a more calm and collected way. And this was a huge uh, revelation to me, was this (laughs) idea that you can recognize a stressful situation, but actually kind of keep yourself removed from it. You can say like, this is stressful, but I am going to attend to it in a calm and collected way so that people can depend on me and rely on me for help rather than people needing to take care of me in that situation. Uh, Especially, yeah, especially as you enter into wifehood and motherhood, you want to be the person that other people can look to as a guide and as somebody that they can lean on. And being calm and collected really is that is the thing that will allow that to happen. So it means it means reflecting on what's happening around you, recognizing it might not be comfortable. It might not be uh, a calm situation. It might be high strung, but saying Mm -hmm. I need to recognize that I need to stay calm here. I need to stay Mm. collected here. And if I do. Honestly, the situation will be much better resolved at the end of the day because <laughs> if yeah. you're stressed, I'm sure you've experienced this, a situation <laughs> where it's really stressful, you get really stressed, the whole thing turns out to be even more stressful because of your stress levels and right. <laughs> getting it resolved is so difficult. But when you are able to say, you know what, like take a deep breath, we can handle this, then yep. other people can come to you and find that they're also actually less stressed And everyone can work as a team to get it fixed and resolved and done. That's so good. You know, it makes me think like when you picture in your head, 
a woman who is like attractive, you know, like the kind of woman you want to be around, you want to be friends with. It's the woman who is calm and collected all the time, who never gets, you know, frantic or like gets too overwhelmed that she can't deal with a situation gracefully. And that's just so opposite of what the world is telling us to be. It's telling us to be louder and, you know, to be all focused on ourselves. And it's just the opposite of what we're naturally attracted to and what we naturally want. So that's just such a good point, um, I think, to bring up. No, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I think that there's, you know, one of, I'm going to hopefully talk about it a little bit more, but the idea just of women are, should be in a position of gentle guidance. And Mm -hmm. that really comes from an internal calm. And that comes from generally a faith in God. So absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. All right, so many of our listeners are young single ladies who are not married. Maybe they're not even dating yet. So how can they go about flirting and dating to attract the right kind of man? Yeah, so I love talking about dating and relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think that it's so fascinating and there are so many tools that you can learn along the way that if you aren't like actively talking to other women who support you on your journey of dating, then you might not know. So I really like mm. being able to talk about it and, and kind of find a community of women who, who can support you in dating. Cause dating is, in my opinion, it wasn't the most fun. Yeah. <laughs> I much oh, prefer yeah. being married. I much yes, prefer being yes. married to dating. That um, is true. <laughs> so for, you know, young single women, I think that the first place to start, and this is what I always have referenced on my channel, and it's a theory I kind of came up with, uh, although it doesn't sound like it, is the theory of chemistry and compatibility. Uh, people know those phrases and they know what it means, but yeah. the, the way that I like to talk about it is is like this. So most women have a chemistry guy and have a compatibility guy before they meet the right guy. The chemistry guy is the kind of guy you meet and you get along, like your personalities are just so good for each other. And it's really hard to see past that, to recognize that the compatibility isn't there. And those are the relationships Mm. that often people get really invested in. That's like something that you'll, will break your heart. Uh, And it can often happen when you're not looking for it in a dating sense. Usually that happens when like you ha- you meet someone in a casual situation and you guys hit it off and you start realizing mm. how much you like each other. And then you realize, oh my goodness, we're not actually compatible, but we really, really love hanging out. Uh, and that's gotcha. the situation that is like incredibly painful and confuses yeah. a lot of women because they think that it's, pa- they confuse anxiety and passion. They think that this is Mm. what, you know, a great relationship feels like because it's passion, quote unquote. But actually Mm -hmm. what they're experiencing is the anxiety of a roller coaster that they don't know whether or not this is going to last. And when you're fighting for something that feels like passion, when you're fighting for something Mm. that's like, oh, I hope this is going to last, then that's not really generally going to last. And it's not actually passion. It's anxiety or just worried. (laughs) Yeah, kind yeah. of in this constant state of fear. Um, that doesn't last. That relationship doesn't last. Then you've got the compatibility guy. And the compatibility guy is the guy who on paper looks fantastic. And you guys look agree on everything. But you just don't really hit it off. And it's kind of not something that 
you know, it just doesn't feel right. And that's the guy that you're not going to feel heartbroken over, but you might, after you break up, be like, well, maybe he was the right guy. Like on paper, Mm, he seemed right. So the right guy is the guy who has both, is the guy who you love talking to and would love to, you know, talk to till four in the morning. But really the the compatibility is like the basis for it. And everything, it makes sense for what you guys are going to, you know, how you're going to proceed. And that relationship, it's not going to feel that like crazy passion of, oh my gosh, I I don't want to lose him. It's going to feel calm because you know that this guy actually, you have a future with him. Like you guys agree on what you want. And it's a much more calm, like slow burn than it is this like horrible, fiery, like (laughs) anxiety. Um, So my advice is to look for the guy who has both and generally to start with compatibility if you can. So that's why I usually say, you know, asking the big questions on a first date or on a second date, I think is absolutely fine. I think it's actually important. Getting that stuff out of the way is really, uh, you know, it's going to make sure that you don't fall for someone who you can't, who you're not going to have a future with. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of like my basic, my basic dating advice for young women. Um, But as far as flirting, as far as flirting, uh, two things that I, that I would recommend are number one, uh, wear natural makeup. A lot of men don't like to see women wearing like really intense, you know, like crazy smoky eye and like a red lip and all that stuff on a first date. Um, most men want to see you and they just want to yes. see what you look like in a slightly more flattering way, you know, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> wearing, wearing mascara, wearing like a pretty eyeshadow, but not something crazy and just like accentuating your features rather than masking them underneath something really intense. That's a, a very good rule of thumb for a first date and for meeting a guy the first time and That's dressing good. modestly. Dressing yes. modestly. I really, I really do think it's important in dating. It shows a man what your priorities are and what you're yeah. hoping is going to come out of that relationship. It should be flattering. You know, I'm very clear on my channel that modesty doesn't have to mean frumpy. I think that there's this annoying misconception about that. Uh, but really, modestly, modesty can be absolutely stunning and really beautiful, but it's beautiful. Like, that's the thing. Yes. It's beautiful, not sexual. And yes. it allows him to put your personality at the forefront of your first meeting as opposed to your body. Absolutely. I think you made an awesome distinction there between being beautiful and being sexual. And it's just something women, if you don't even know where to start, keep that in mind. You know, like when you're trying to figure out what to wear, like, does this accentuate my natural beauty or does this, you know, ex- accentuate my sexuality? And that's just such a good starting mm-hmm. point. For choosing those outfits, especially for dates, especially for dates. So awesome. <laughs> um, kind of circling back to something we talked about at the beginning of this episode, there's just so much pressure in our society for women to work outside the home. So what would you say to those women who fe- feel the desire to be a homemaker, but feel pressured into getting degrees and having a career? Yeah. So I think there's kind of two women I want to address here, two kinds of women. The women who are uh, dis- like before college, perhaps, and are being pressured into attending college or attending university. And, and then the women who have already gone through a lot of education and now are feeling that pull to stay home. 
Um, for the women who are a little bit younger and who are being pressured into going to university, you know, I think that there's good good things and bad things to getting education generally. I'm not a huge fan of universities currently because I don't think that yeah. they teach very much. So <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm not somebody who's a proponent of that. Uh, but I think that, you know, education, good education is never wasted. Uh, And if you can, you know, find a program that is that like, for me, that would be, um, oh, the name is escaping me. The the college that starts with uh, Hillsdale, if like a Hillsdale (laughs) college, you know, that kind of thing. And if you find that, okay, well, you know, you can afford it. It's not going to put you in debt. That's number one. Mm -hmm. But like, if you feel like you want to go to a school like that, just to get a good education and and have that experience. I'm not opposed to that. And it's possible you can meet a guy there who shares your values, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, but, but being pressured into getting a job when that's not what you want for your future. I think that that's, you know, stay strong. You know what you want. You can get, you can find a career that'll allow you to kind of carry through until you meet the right guy. And, have children, but you're going to have to obviously look for a guy who wants the same things you want and who wants you to be, and will be comfortable with you staying home. And that might mean finding a career that's kind of transitory and that's okay. That's totally fine. Um, Just staying strong and true to yourself. But for the women who are past college or past even a secondary degree, I want the thing I want to say to them is nothing is ever wasted, as I said, but the sunk cost fallacy is just that it's a fallacy, which is the idea that, oh, I put in so much time and I've paid so much money to get a degree in something. How can I give that all up to stay home? You absolutely can and should give it up if that means that you will actually be happier. You don't want to be spending the next 30 years of your life doing something because of this sunk cost fallacy, because you are, you told yourself that you can't, uh, that you spent all this money and you wasted all this time on something and you can't just give it up. You can give it up. And if it's the, the, the thing is that like the reason I say nothing is ever wasted is this is an exact example of that. Even if you don't end up getting, becoming a lawyer with a law degree, if you have that, you know, you might find that that education applies somewhere else in your in your life um, as a as a homemaker. And you know, for me, I really had to work through that. I had three mm-hmm. degrees in operatic performance, and I thought yeah. to myself, "Well, I I invested all this time and energy into something. How can I just give that up?" And I realized, you know, I'm not giving it up. I'm choosing to do something different because I I found something that was more important to me. And I'm so much happier and I'm allowed to be happier. You're allowed to be happier. So do, do what actually makes you happy. (laughs) Yeah, that is so good. That, that you just talked right to me because it's just like, you feel this, um, you know, just like this, like this feeling like you just wasted your money and your time, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I like how you said, it's not that you're giving it up. You're choosing to do something different. Um, I think that mindset shift is huge. It's something I have to work on. um, And I'm sure a lot of other women do too. But you just gave so many women permission to do what they want. If what they want to do is stay home. So I really appreciate that. (laughs) No, look, it's a huge, it's a huge transition. And it's really hard to accept in today's day and age where worth is not found inside the home anymore. It's like, oh, how are you worthy if you're, if you're at home? 
And the fact is you are much, I find it to be your, your main worth is in the home. What, what you do for your husband, what you do for your children, that is going to be the stuff that's going to carry on for years and years and years and for generations. And, Absolutely. you know, someone who has a job, yeah, you can do an amazing thing at your job, but you're ultimately replaceable. You're not ultimately yeah. replaceable by your husband or your mother Ooh. or your children as a mother. That is so good. Wow. That is so true. That's the one job you can never be replaced in. Wow. Amazing. (laughs) Okay. So kind of on the flip side then, what about the women who want careers? Should they be both a working woman and a mom? How can you even balance both? Yeah. So um, I actually recently had my mom on my channel and my mom, I love her and she's my role model. Um, And she, she worked full time. She was the primary breadwinner for my family, actually. Um, and I always have said, you know, it, you can work outside the home and still be traditional and still be classic. I, I'm not somebody who believes that you can't ever have a job if you want to be a, a homemaker or be traditional. Um, my yeah. mom was someone who actually really loved her job. But the most important thing when it comes to this always has to be prioritized. You have to have your priorities in order. And the priority, the order of your priorities has to always be faith, family, community, job. Like job cannot come first. Um, If you are putting your children first, if you're putting your husband first, if you're putting your community and your, and your, you know, synagogue or church first, um, those are the things that, that will ultimately be the most important. And your job can still be important. You can still be incredibly good at your job, but you just need to know what's the most, uh, you know, what is the most important thing in your life. Mm -hmm. And when you, once you do that, I think you can, you can absolutely have a career outside the home. But like for my mom, you know, I never really noticed that she had this crazy high powered career. Like I just didn't know because she would come home and make us dinner and sit down with us and spend time with us. And every, you know, we have uh, Sabbath, which for us is Friday night through Saturday, but for Christians and Catholics, it's, um, it's on Sundays. That's also incredibly, amazingly important because it's like, oh, no matter what, I know mom's going to be around on Sabbath. Yeah. So we can hang out then. And I know I'll get to see her. And that's without that, I think it's actually a lot harder to prioritize. Mm, That's so good. So kind of, you know, kind of building off this a little bit, there's like just this idea or this like the whole culture of like mommy wine culture or like wife wine culture and just like the idea (laughs) that I know I know that like that your home and your family should be last and that it's stressful so how can women kind of reshape their minds when we have just been steeped in this idea that family and the home is a burden uh, that wine culture among moms is the worst. I just I know, absolutely I know. hate that. <laughs> I know, me um, too. You know, it's actually really funny. I, I've thought a lot about this. You know, as a, I'm pregnant with my first baby, um, I'm due in five weeks. And so I've oh been thinking. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Been, thank you. <laughs> um, and so I've been doing a lot of thinking and reflecting about motherhood in these, you know, months. And I've been trying to share that journey with my followers too, because I know so many of us go through a really big shift during during our pregnancies, during the time before we become mothers and are shifting into motherhood, because it's it is a big change. Yeah. And one of the things I think is so important is recognizing that 
motherhood isn't a superhero's job. Now, there's <laughs> this is a funny thing to say, but it actually it actually made, makes me kind of crazy. If you if you look at things on Twitter or on Instagram, you know, you'll hear all this this conversation about how being a mother is means you're a superhero. Well, being a calling motherhood like something so heroic, something so out of the ordinary, it makes it not normal. And it makes it seem like, well, why would I want to do something that a superhero has to do? Why would oh, I yeah. put, like voluntarily put myself in a situation where I'm going to be more stressed out and it's just so hard and it's just so much more work than any other thing that I choose to do in my life? As opposed to saying motherhood is absolutely normal. Most, if not, yeah, like 99.9% .9 of women choose to be mothers you know, and our mothers not even choose many of us, you know, many women become mothers and being, being a mother is the most natural thing that women should do is the most natural yeah. thing that women can do. And taking it out of this sense of normalcy into this realm of choice of like, oh, I chose to put myself in this horrible, hard situation. It makes motherhood feel so much scarier than it really is. Like motherhood is normal. When once you recognize that motherhood is normal, then it allows you to view it with re, like realistically. And that realistic view of it is, yeah, there are days it's going to be hard, but millions and trillions of other <laughs> women have done it throughout history. <laughs> and that there's a reason so that we keep doing it. Um, so I think viewing motherhood as not just something that is secondary to everything else in our lives, but is the primary thing that women have been born and created to do by God for millennia. <laughs> I think it just puts things in perspective. Yeah. Wow. That's so true. I just, it just has happened so fast. You know, motherhood used to just be expected almost and, you know, common. And I granted, I don't, not that motherhood deserves, you know, like, like you said, it doesn't deserve superhero status, but I, I admit that it hasn't always been like the most recognized thing, but it, you're right. It's just, I don't know when this cultural shift came that motherhood is not normal and it's not natural. And it's this crazy thing that people choose to do. So, wow, that's so helpful just to kind of like shift our perspectives and realize that like, yep, almost every woman in the world becomes a mother. And that's, that's all aspects of motherhood too. I know thinking about like labor and delivery, like scares me because I hate pain, but it's like, <laughs> I've been doing this for literally thousands and thousands of years. So it's <laughs> such a good perspective shift. <laughs> Absolutely. And honestly, I would say that I would guess that this shift in thinking, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is feminism and the sexual revolution. As soon as sex became something that was entirely separate from conception, then uh, you don't have this understanding that sex is going to lead to a baby. Or this, mm, you know, expectation true. that it very well could, even if, you know, you're yep. using NFP or whatever else it is, it very well could. And right. once, you know, you separate sex from babies, then it is a choice. It is a choice yeah. of whether or not you become a mom. And that's so true. The problem with that view is that, you know, in those situations where your birth control fails, you're in a situation where you think, oh, well, I'm, motherhood is has is and always has been a choice. And then you get into the abortion situation, which 
I, uh, as I don't know, as you might guess, I am very pro-life. So <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 We have very, very similar views despite different religions. So that's yeah. what I think is beautiful too. That's why I was like, I want you on the show. This will be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of speaking to that though, just like, you're right. When you divorce natural cause from natural effect, we just get into so many problems. And that's like, honestly, the root of it is this divorce of cause from effect and the separate, you know, the sexual revolution and all of that. So, oh, that was, that's really good. Good to know that. And <laughs> such a good perspective shift for all the women listening, myself included. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So do you have any tips for our married ladies then about how they can slowly infuse more classical living and values into their homes and families? Because I know it can be difficult when routines and expectations are already set, especially if they've been married and have kids for years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially because it's a partnership. I mean, it's you and your husband. So right. you know, if it's just you trying to make changes, it's uh, it's a lot different. Even if let's let's just say we're talking about diet. Let's say you're talking about diet. I'm doing that on my own. Okay, well, I can do that on my own. But as soon as you're trying to do that for your family, for your husband, that's a whole other conversation. Can right. everyone on board with how we want to change these things? So I think it starts off, obviously, with a conversation with your spouse and, and saying, you know, I have some feelings about things I'd like to incorporate. And I may, maybe it doesn't have to be like a full on conversation. Maybe you can start subtly and see if he even notices or if he starts to like what you're doing. But if you want to take some, you know, bigger steps, such as a conversation theoretically about you wanting to stay home, I mean, that's obviously a big conversation you're going to have with your spouse. Um but I think, you know, starting from an individual perspective, there's two things I thought I would kind of mention. One is, again, a more practical tip and one is um, a bigger tip. So from a practical perspective, start off with being clean. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's kind of a funny one. But, um, you know, being clean is a very classic and traditional thing to do for a lot of reasons. And it's an easy step, not easy necessarily. It can be, it can be kind of a burden <laughs> in a sense, but it is easy to incorporate because it's a practical thing. You just do it. Um, so the reasons why being clean are so important is that number one is a cluttered house is a cluttered mind. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe if you walk into a house and there's stuff everywhere and not everything has its place, it's a reflection of kind of where you are at. So if you take some time and you can kind of start the smallest place, you know, the junk drawer in your kitchen or your <laughs> fridge <laughs> and just yeah. sort of like take a look at it and see like, okay, well, how do I organize my stuff? Is it is it organized or is it everywhere? It'll be a reflection for you of, okay, well, how do I approach this? How do I view this? And approaching it in a way where it is um, not organized is usually a reflection of something inside of you that's also not organized and allow, it allows you to... Um, It'll allow you to find that common collective thing we were talking about earlier, because organization often goes hand in hand with being more collected and more intentional and more deliberate. Uh, another yeah. part of being cleanly is that it shows gratitude for the items you're lucky enough to have. Uh, I've always felt that when you take care of your stuff, it's a sh it shows that you're grateful to own it. And if you kind of throw things all over the place or you're not careful and things break all the time, then you're taking for granted that you own it and that God was good enough to give it to you. So 
having that mentality of I'm going to take care of the things that I buy and that I own because the fact that I could buy it at all is a huge blessing. Yeah, so that's, that's so true. I, just, I think something that's really important. And then the last thing is that being cleanly shows respect to the other people in your home for two reasons. It shows that you don't expect anyone else to clean up after you and you're making it a better place for other people to live. So if you can take the time to clean up after yourself and then also after your family, it it just is a sweet, oh my gosh, people appreciate it so much. You know, your kids might not necessarily notice right away, but they will notice if you stop for a couple days. And if you start, (laughs) then then they might notice that, oh, the house is clean. Or like, where did my shoes go, mom? Well, your shoes are in the room where they're supposed to go. Um, (laughs) But your husband will also definitely appreciate it. And it's one of those things that we as women can do to make a house into a home is like a woman's touch taking care Mm. of taking care of the home. So I think that's just like a a more practical tip for being more classic and traditional. Can I, can I ask a question off of that? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. A lot of women I know, um, complain that like they have to do the cleaning and their husband doesn't, or they like, I don't even know how to describe it. I've just gotten so many like messages or comments when I say like, you know, just wash the dishes for your husband. They're like, well, he should be able to take care of his own stuff. Why is he leaving them dirty? I mean, I see it as an act of service and love and, you know, everyone is overwhelmed once in a while. And yes, there's something to be said about being responsible for your stuff, but I feel like 99% of husbands are responsible for their stuff and we're just over-dramatizing, you know, the things that they leave out or dirty dishes or whatever. So how would you respond to those women who feel that they shouldn't be cleaning up after their husbands? Yeah, I think this is a huge argument that is had. Yeah. it's very, it, it, I, I think that this is a, a situation that really does need to be like understood. So if you and your husband both work full time, that's a situation where, okay, you guys are, sh- should be probably splitting the housework 50-50 in a sense. You take on the things that he doesn't like and he takes on the things that you don't like. And right. you work together as a team because you're, you both have the same hours at the end of the day to take mm-hmm. care of the home. Um, And also, you know, there's, but, but if you are a woman who is at home, who works from home, then yeah, absolutely. You have more responsibility to take care of the home and to take care of your husband who's working outside of the home and helping provide for you. You know, I absolutely think that that is how things should be, you know? So for me, I work from home. I do have this job that I do, but I have time to take care of my house And I love doing it as, like you said, an act of service for my husband. It's like, I want to take care of the house for you. I know that this is something that will mean something to you, as well as the fact, by the way, that most women are a little bit more cleanly than men. And you can kind of be resentful of it if you want to be. But at the end of the day, I think it's realistic to say, well, I'm going to notice this more than he is. He's not even, this is something I've talked about a few times is that it's, I don't think you always have to have the best or believe that your husband has the best intentions. Your spouse has the best intentions. You married them for a reason. You married them because you know that they, you believe that they are a good, strong man for you. And so if your husband isn't like putting away his shoes, it's not because he's like, well, my wife's going to take care of it later. It's, it's probably because he doesn't even notice 
you can have a conversation where you're like, hey, I would love if you put your shoes away. But at the end of the day, you're probably just noticing things more than your husband is. That's just (laughs) the way that we're built. And when you get to that, when you realize that, when I realized that, when I realized it wasn't ever targeted at me, it was just like, oh, he just doesn't really notice that this is the case. I was like, oh, you know what? Then I don't mind taking care of it because it bothers me and it doesn't bother him. Fine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, it's so true. I think people think that like they left it out on purpose to make you mad. And it's like, yeah, no, they just probably just forgot, you know, or you're right. It doesn't bother them. Oftentimes women are just naturally more cleanly than men. And so uh, it's just such a perspective shift. And I'm so glad that you at least touched on it because it's, it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Absolutely. And I think that it's, I, like, I understand the impulse to struggle with it, But again, once I think also once you start treating cleanliness as something you're doing for yourself and something that is a sign of your gratitude to God, then it's not like a a resentment thing towards your spouse. It's for you. Yeah, You're doing it to like, because you want to feel good about your home. You're doing it because you want to show love to your husband. You're doing it because you want to show great gratitude to God. Like those are all really beautiful, positive things as opposed to I'm doing it because I have to, the house is a mess and I hate (laughs) everyone for doing this to me. Like, well, yeah, that's a terrible perspective. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so true. All right. So for all the women listening, what, oh wait, no, you were going to share, sorry, something. Um, so not practical. What was the other tip you were going to yeah, like share? A bigger, I'm sorry. I totally, I no, yeah. I, totally <laughs> I can do like a, a, I'll keep it short and sweet because it's something I talk about ad nauseum all the time, which <laughs> is just to um, embrace faith, family, and community. Those are my, that's like my motto on my channel is embracing faith, family, and community. Uh, And once you do that, then you can really start to incorporate those classic living and traditional values into your home. And so when you're involved with, get involved with your church, get involved with your synagogue, invest time in your family, um, be involved with your community. By doing those things, you will find that the traditional values that you're kind of hoping to incorporate just slowly ease their way into your home. Yes, I love that. It's so true. When your priorities are in line, everything else falls into place. It's beautiful. Absolutely. All right. So for all women listening, what are some simple steps they can take to become more feminine? Yeah. So I was, again, I wanted, you know, I've been breaking it up into these exterior things and interior things a little bit. And I didn't even realize I was doing that until I, until we sat down <laughs> to chat. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think with femininity, there's absolutely an opportunity to deal, to do one exterior thing and one interior thing. So Like on an exterior level, it's always lovely to embrace your femininity through your beauty. Um, That can be however you want it to be. It can be taking care of your hair. It can be learning how to do one makeup thing that you've been wanting to do. So it can be choosing a new, you know, one of the things that I've been recommending to my followers for winter is finding a scarf that brings out like your best features, the color, it just reflects well on your features because it's right up next to your face. So finding a a scarf that you absolutely love is something that you can just like quickly and easily incorporate into your wardrobe. It really doesn't change anything in your wardrobe, but it's something you can throw on and maybe it just like immediately brings out your eyes or something. Just a simple feminine, like embracing that femininity in a way that it doesn't have to be 
a huge thing that's totally different from your normal from your normal schedule or whatever else it is. So that is kind of just something easy to do. And and I think that, you know, I'm somebody who loves makeup. I find makeup is a very fun way for me to embrace femininity, but I know a lot of women don't like putting on makeup. So that's why I say focus on your hair. I mean, if you have beautiful hair, then you, like I've always said, you could have a full face of makeup on, but if your hair looks terrible, (laughs) it's not really going to look great. If your hair looks great and you have not a stitch of makeup on, you will look beautiful. So (laughs) find something that speaks to you on that level. Yeah. But on, and you know, from an internal perspective, the thing that I think is just the most important for kind of embracing femininity is embracing the idea of gentle guidance is you're going to be so much more effective changing people's minds when you do it from a place of kindness and love and femininity rather than hammering it down their throats. And I think that this is a really hard thing for women to accept in today's day and age. I know it was for me, was like, oh my gosh, what are you saying? Why do I have to be gentle? Why can't I just speak my mind? And yes, yes. Can- <laughs> and the fact is that you can speak your mind, but think about the realistic outcome of that. And I think this is the hardest thing for people to accept, but it's the mo- one of the things, one of the key components of being, um, of being classic is, is, in, is in accepting reality. And one of the things in accepting reality is, you know, people are better at listening when you are better at saying it. So if you are going to just be aggressive and throwing things in people's faces and expecting them to respond well, would you respond well to that? I doubt it. Yeah. Like I will. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, it's important for us to learn how to give criticism and learn how to speak in a way that is really conducive to getting the best results in the same way that we dress a certain way so that we can get what we want we can uh, speak in a certain way in order to get what we want. Mm, I love that. That is so good. Yeah. And that kind of like, like we talked about earlier, just like that picture of like, what's the woman you're naturally attracted to who you naturally see as like classy and traditional and like radiates beauty and you are drawn to her. And that is just that you're right. That is it. It it under underlies. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like the (laughs) undertone of her personality. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I love that. Okay. Wow. So you have left us with so many pieces of gold today, but if you could only (laughs) leave us with one piece of advice, what would it be? So, you know, I think the most important thing when you are traditional and classic in today's day and age is finding a community of women who can support you and your values. If you are doing anything alone, it's nearly impossible. And it is so hard to stand firm and stay true to yourself and stay true to your beliefs when everyone around you is telling you you're wrong and telling you that it's just not, it's just not a good idea in, in the modern era. And so I'm such a proponent of finding other women to work alongside. So that can really start at home. It can start at your church. It can start in your community. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not close to a church or you're not close to um, a faith community, online really can be a beautiful place for that. I'm, I'm really like blessed to have a community of women through my Classically Abbey that is 
beautiful and that supports each other. And I'm sure you're building that as well. And that's just, it's something that we're very lucky in today's day and age. And, you know, there's the advantages and disadvantages of online living. But one of those, one of those advantages is that you can generally find a community of women who share a lot of what you believe and that, and getting that, seeing it part of like this, what I'm talking about is seeing other people living the way that you are and learning from them. And it gives you the strength and it gives you the bravery to face all of the stuff you're going to be faced with that is totally antithetical to what you believe. So if you can start there, if you can start by finding that community of women that you can depend on and who would support you, then wow, it really, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Wow. That is so true and so good. Your community, right, is everything. You need to have them to fall back on. And it's actually super, super biblical to have a community, um, you know, to fall back on and to rely on who shares those same values as you. So that is awesome. That is amazing. (laughs) Wow. Well, I am so thankful you are here today. You've shared so many wonderful things with us. So where can our audience find you? Yeah. So you can find me on YouTube. My handle everywhere on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook is uh, Classically Abby. It's just at Classically Abby. And if you want access to my exclusive content, which includes my podcast and book club and exclusive articles and stuff like that, then uh, you can head over to my Substack newsletter, um, which is classicallyabby.substack.com. And I I love my, that's where our community is like really growing. I love that. Perfect. I will have all those linked in the show notes for anyone who would like to go check Abby out. You should. She is absolutely amazing. And like I said, just so many perspective shifts today and it was just so good. So eye-opening. So thank you so much for being here, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thank you. And everyone else, please um, subscribe and leave a review if you like the podcast. Now go embrace the woman God made you to be. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Catholic Woman Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we look forward to catching you again in the next episode of the Catholic Woman Podcast.